I'm Kim Carson. And I'm Peter Klein. And this is We Had No Idea. Cold War Part Deux. Deux. I'm trying to think of it all in French, but I don't know French. Right, yeah. Yeah, I, I, every word in there that I knew in French, I said in French. We come to you from Mokinsis, and we acknowledge that we get the privilege of living and producing this show on the traditional territories of the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Tsitsina Nations, the Yahe Nakoda Nations, the Métis Nation Region 3, and all people who make their home in the Treaty 7 region of Southern Alberta. You can find out uh, 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 mm-hmm. what native lands you're on by looking at native-land.ca. It's fine. We're just starting this, right? Uh <laughs> one of our first episodes yeah exactly our sources for the show continue to be life guide presents the cold war on youtube history.com britannica.com and nationsonline.org which i think is a new one as i'm reading it out loud yes it is i added it cool i did more research whoa (laughs) Whoa. so welcome to part de part de part de part de cold war what is cold I can only think of it in Spanish. Frio. Oh, wow. Show off. Thanks. (laughs) Hace frio. That means I'm cold. Oh, okay. Yeah. It actually is I have cold, but anyways. (laughs) It's like how you say it. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Uh, Thank you for coming back for part two to this Cold War. Uh, There is so much to cover. Uh, It turns out the Cold War was... So many events that we just called one singular event, but it was many, many, many things. Okay. Cold in French is spelled F-R-O-I-D. Freud. Freud. Yeah. <laughs> when when our brother-in-law listens to this. Yeah. He is going to be mad Pain. at us. Or anyone who ever taught me anything in school, but I think that will... Basically encapsulate everything from this podcast. Totally. Uh, but yeah, cold anyone war. who ever quote unquote taught right. me something attempted to teach me anything <laughs> talked at me. Right. Uh, but yeah, thank you for downloading and listening, and for coming back for part two, and for some of the kind words about part one. Yeah. Uh, my parents enjoyed it as they lived through literally. Uh, not literally all not of all this. of it no um but a lot of this we're actually getting to most of the stuff that they live through now yes um but they they had a couple of kind of additions to some of the um cold war i guess propaganda you could say in the uh media that was consumed at that time mm-hmm. like the like the star wars villains all had very much a, a russian kind of or at least some of them did a russian kind of look to them but the one that they they brought up a children's cartoon of Rocky and Bullwinkle. Yeah. The evil the, the evil people are soups Russian. Uh what are their names? Boris, I think Dedanov was the the first one. Was the the guy's name? Yeah, she's like Svetlana or something, isn't she? Yeah, just a sec. Uh Natasha Fatale. No, oh, Natasha. Yeah, Boris Badanov and Natasha Fatale. Yeah, so just Russians, Soviets portrayed as villains in popular media that we would have consumed right um we have been alive at that time but anyways one of the one of the big rocky movies is rocky fights a russian Uh uh-huh if he dies he dies yeah only in a russian accent das vidanya and so like just all of it uh, so well not all of it but so much of it was just those damn dirty russians yeah 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 just wild Mm mm-hmm 
Uh, so should we do a quick little recap or should should you, the listener, just make sure you've listened to part one? Well, basically, um, <laughs> the states and the Soviets are not having a good time. Not besties. The Soviets are like, yay, communism. And the states are like, boo, communism. And so that has led to so much uh, that happened in the world. They're interfering in wars. People are traveling to space. Mm -hmm. That's kind of where we left it was the the space race. Yeah, and there's like a lot of um, nuclear scare. Right. Uh, That's like a huge overarching arching thing for everybody mm-hmm. in the world yeah uh just totally afraid of nuclear holocaust so. right the the back part of this now is where we get into a lot of like blowing shit up it kind yeah. of feels like i think so so on that note in 1958 khrushchev demanded the, the leader of the ussr at the time right yes uh demanded that the allies pull out of west germany Eisenhower, the leader of the Americans at the time, told him to fuck off, and the deadline passed. (laughs) Khrushchev visited the states. No substantial policies were agreed to, but many thought it uh, it meant that things were going to get better. They were wrong. The Russians (laughs) shot down an American spy plane. The states, uh, sorry, the Russian, yeah, no. The states tried to lie about about it, it. And Khrushchev called them out on it. Right. Being like, this guy's a known liar, look. He doesn't know where the line is. Yeah. Super awkward. Egypt's president played the Americans and the Russians against each other, getting weapons from USSR while getting the states to fund a dam. This is like this whole kind of section Mm -hmm. of the the documentary I thought was like just brilliance by this guy. It's like the your your mom says you can't go outside. So you go ask dad and he lets you go play outside for a little bit. Like it's that kind of a thing. Totally. Um. So the Americans pulled out. Egypt nationalized the Suez Canal. France and Britain invaded Egypt, but the states didn't want to go along with it, forcing a retreat, really hurting the reputation of France and Britain. Egypt ended up getting their funding from the USSR that they lost from the states, and the Suez Canal was completed and opened. So US was going to give them funds. Then they saw that they were getting stuff from the Soviets, and they were like, hey, we're not going to do that anymore. And Britain was like, okay, let we're going all the way This in. is ours too, though. Yeah. And Somehow. That, that definitely didn't work. And Egypt got all the money and everything that they needed, all from the, the Soviets. Mm-hmm. So this forced the U.S. to take a stronger role in the Middle East because they had looked like weak little unsupportive babies. <laughs> Uh, that legitimized the dispatch of troops to Lebanon in 1958, and both powers interfered around the world. This, How great. Yeah, lovely. Th- this next part is something I had no idea this came from this. Yeah. Do you want me to go? Yeah, go for it. So the term third world country came out of the Cold War. Uh, I, I I had no idea either. Right. Uh, the first world were capitalist countries. The second world were Soviet uh like the USSR, as well as China and any other supporting communist countries. And the third world was basically anyone not involved, although it quickly became a catch-all for any poor country or any country uh, not seen to have allegiance. Like, I'm sorry. The world is just a big brother house in week five. Right, yeah. You have the two allies against each other. Like, you've and got then... these, yeah, groups of generally four. Yeah, and then you have the the floaters in the middle. Yeah, yeah. Grab a life vest mm-hmm. is what, you know, they would say if Big Brother was real life, but we all know it's not. Right. <sighs> 
the United States wanted to stay friendly with third world countries, specifically the ones with oil. Khrushchev <laughs> went to those countries and found that they had issues with the, the folks out west. The CIA then started to work to try to get them back. The CIA budget went from $4 million when it started to $82 million. Mm-hmm. The Soviet or the CIA, sorry, arrested a pro-Soviet leader in Iran and put a pro-Western leader in. He stayed in until 1979 when he was overthrown. The people hated him, and it ended up being a very bad thing for the states. Uh, mainly, their reputation took a gigantic hit mm-hmm. for meddling, as this dude apparently was just pure evil. Mm. Uh, but the states let him stay in because he wasn't communist. Yeah. The CIA continued to support pro-Western dictators for decades in multiple countries. Also in the early 1960s, President Kenny faced a number of troubling situations in his own hemisphere. Uh, the Bay of Pigs happened in 61, which saw U.S. forces in the form of exiled Cubans landing in the Bay uh, in Cuba and immediately coming under fire uh, as if, you know, people knew they were coming. Uh, lives, ships, planes were lost and it made Kennedy and the U.S. look a little silly. Uh, in 1961 as well, JFK and Khrushchev met and USSR wanted the states to pull out of Berlin again and JFK refused and upped the military budget by billions of dollars and up spending on nuclear concerns. Uh, while this is going on, people were defecting from the USSR-controlled East Berlin, forcing them to build that wall. Right. Another episode that we uh, we talk about the Berlin Wall. What episode? Was that 18, 19? I have no idea. Whew. Yeah, it turns out that we've covered a lot of Cold War era topics. Yes. Yeah, a, a, cold, a few things that kind of branch off from the Cold War. And it's like, as as we were doing research for this, I was like, oh, that was part of it too? Like, I feel like we have a few of the puzzle pieces it takes to put this one together already done, which yeah. honestly was a great way to learn it for me. Uh, the Berlin Wall, episode 11. Oh my God, so early. Right? It feels like it wasn't that long ago. It feels like it was just yesterday. That I announced on this podcast my ignorance. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> that was a big one for me. Yeah. But yeah, like th- that was when Kennedy said uh, d- democracy isn't uh, and capitalism isn't perfect, but at least we don't have to build a wall to keep our people in. Yeah. And yeah, like the Bay of Pigs was uh, a disaster that we've covered that one as well uh, in the JFK episode. Briefly. There isn't a a whole lot to, like we couldn't do a full episode on it. The US tried to invade and got shit whipped and that was that. Cuba was taken over by communist revolutionaries like Fidel Castro around 1959. They turned to the Soviet Union, which stressed out JFK and national security as a whole because of Cuba's proximity. Khrushchev was convinced he needed to protect Castro and sent nuclear missiles to Cuba. He had them then pointed at the states, much like the states did to Russia early in the 1950s with missiles that the Americans... Or sorry, that the, yeah, that the Americans had pointed at Russia from surrounding countries. I think that it was Turkey and Iran specifically. I believe I think you are we'll correct. We'll see that later. Yeah, it was projected the missiles could kill eighty million Americans from where they sat in Cuba. There were forty-two thousand USSR troops stationed in Cuba with short-range nuclear weapons. If the states were to invade, this was something I admittedly had no idea about. Mm. I thought every nuclear weapon just like destroyed everything and like every nuclear weapon was Hiroshima. 
Right. But they had like a lot of like short range little nuclear weapons as well that probably still sucked and oh, still did a lot of damage. A ton of follow. Obviously. Yeah. But not everyone is creating a giant mushroom cloud over an entire hemisphere. Right. I mean, okay. The the bomb that was over Hiroshima though. Mm-hmm. It was massive. It yeah. obviously had a, an insane impact. Yeah. Um, Japan, not that big. Right. So I think that, like, you know, you're saying, oh, I thought that every single nuclear missile was this massive impact. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, well, the Hiroshima was the biggest one. Yeah. And it, you know, it didn't take up the whole country. No, that's fair. So, I just, I didn't realize there were short range ones. I thought they were all Right, like, that they could vary in size and... <sighs> out of them yeah yeah and yeah so that of awfulness yeah right yeah exactly uh where were we ah the states oh, we saw it at the same time <laughs> the states set up a cuban blockade and russian ships were turned back One hundred forty thousand american troops were stationed in florida and the u.s went to defcon 2 for the first time ever preparing for nuclear war what does defcon stand stand for i don't know Okay, you keep going, I'll Google. Okay. The states basically started circling the Soviets, waiting for them to do anything. The states said if USSR were to pull the missiles out of Cuba, they would pull theirs out of Italy and Turkey and wouldn't invade Cuba. The next day, the USSR agreed to the American terms. This is the closest we came to nuclear war. A hotline was later installed between the White House and the Kremlin, as some say that this was a bit of a miscommunication between the two sides. So they, were, with that kind of hotline, there's a way that this wouldn't happen again. DEFCON basically stands for Defense Readiness Condition. So Defense Condition, DEFCON. Oh, okay. Interesting. So a higher DEFCON. The bigger the number, the the better it is. DEFCON right. 1, worst you can be. Yeah. DEFCON 5 is we're kind of chill. DEFCON 5 is like day to day. Yeah. Which we all are, really. <laughs> feel like I'm living in a DEFCON 4 here, but yeah, day, DEFCON 5 day to day. Okay. <laughs> Uh, this part of the story was so crazy to me because there, uh, in that documentary we watched, there was a Russian submarine at the line of the U.S. ships that were turning people around outside of Cuba. Um, and they were threatening to fire a missile at one of the U.S. ships in their way if they didn't move. Um, and they were literally on the brink of doing it. And, you know, all these conversations are happening. And this is why they installed the hotline between the two um, government offices. Mm-hmm. But on this... Uh, Russian submarine there was three commanding officers that needed to authorize firing a missile two of them were like yeah do it get these guys out of our way and one of them was like "Eh, this doesn't feel right to me right so we were literally one guy's decision away from another like nuclear well if, if they fired that missile who's to say that it's not a hostile environment and everyone just starts fucking shooting everything right are you kidding me yeah one dude Save one guy like nuclear annihilation. He's like, look, you guys, uh, I'm PVRing something at home and I want to get back. So can we just turn around? It works out better for my schedule if we just turn around. Yeah. Like, thank you, sir, for being busy. <laughs> <laughs> um, the U.S. prepared for mutually assured destruction. And in 1972, an anti-ballistic agreement was signed between the two parties. Uh, the CAA continues to try to get Castro out with 600 plus assassination attempts ending in 2000. That was crazy. That was and crazy. It, was, it basically seemed like they were Wiley e. Coyote. 
trying oh. to get the Roadrunners. Like, oh, we'll try exploding cigars. Yeah, yeah, exploding cigars is the one that got me. I was like, what was it? What? Yeah. <laughs> um, but that mutually assured destruction one was crazy. They were like, they basically signed an agreement that if one of them like fired upon the other, they were basically assuming that both countries were going to get blown off the map. Yeah. Like that, that was the agreement they came to basically. Totally. We're just chilling America's hat up here. Yeah. Wait, you know what? I'm sure we'll be fine. Yeah. It's not like most of the population of Canada lives at the U S border basically. Right. (laughs) And like, again, at this time, like you have people preparing for the end of days with like yeah. like people getting like bomb shelters built and you have kids in the states who are doing nuclear bomb drills like we did fire drills back in the day like just crazy 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 how ready people were for the world to just explode for everything to just end yeah thanos style right yeah, that's basically what they were getting ready for. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the Bay of Pigs invasion in 1961 and then the Cuban Missile Crisis the following year seemed to prove that the real communist threat now lay in the unstable post-colonial Third, were, uh, third World. Sorry. Third World. Third World. <laughs> Nowhere was this more apparent than in Vietnam, where the collapse of the French colonial regime had led to a struggle between the American-backed nationalist Holy shit. Uh, That's not too bad. N- no din diem. Close? Yeah, I'd say so. Okay. In the south, and the Q, uh, communist nationalist Ho Chi Minh in the north. Since the 1950s, the United States had been committed to the survival of an anti-communist government in the region, and by the early 1960s, it seemed clear to American leaders that if they were to successfully contain communist expansionism there, they would have to intervene more actively on Diem's behalf. Can I interject here with a quick story about Vietnam? Uh, Of course you can. Um, I went to Ho Chi Minh City, formerly Saigon. Okay. uh, And... Vietnam, first off, beautiful country. Absolutely beautiful. If you have the chance to go, I I would. Um, just the geography of the place, unbelievable. Um, everyone in Ho Chi Minh City? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, everyone, I guess, that I was in the car of, so public transport and taxis and whatever. Yeah. They have pictures of him just everywhere. Really? Yeah. And I'm like... Even when I was there, uh, I was with my sister, and we were kind of talking about it, and she was like, oh, it's, like, fun how much they love that guy. And I was like, do they have a choice? I'm not sure. This is all speculation. Right. I was just like, do they really love him? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, good for them if they really do, but, yeah, well, it was just something I noticed. In- propaganda and whatnot, you know. <sighs> Hell of a drug, man. Hell of a drug, yeah. We're all just getting high off our Ho Chi Minh supply. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the U.S. had been supporting in the South against Communist North for a decade. The country was divided in 1954. Johnson increased military involvement in Vietnam, but things just dragged on. The Vietnam War, famously, is the first televised war, and it sounded like the North was ground down, and there was a chance that the war would end soon before an embarrassing defeat hurting the government's credibility. Protests continued throughout the United States. There, Throughout the 60s, there was so many. Even in the Woodstock episode, we talk about, you know, lots of people that went to Woodstock were the like the draft dodgers and the anti-war crowd. Yeah, make love not war. Exactly. Folks. 
Um, so protests throughout the states for like a decade. Uh, Johnson didn't run for re-election. Robert Kennedy vowed to bring the war to an end, but he was assassinated. Uh, Richard Nixon announced an invasion of Cambodia to help in Vietnam. Because they're like right beside each other kind of, right? Oh, 100% right beside each other. Yeah. Especially like South Vietnam mm. is more kind of like curls around and then Laos kind of then becomes next to like North Vietnam. Oh, okay. Anyways. Um, so there were protests and guards killed protesters in Ohio. Nixon pulled out of Vietnam. And in just two years, the North took over the South. 58,000 Americans died and millions of Vietnamese soldiers and civilians died as well. Uh, Cambodia was then taken over by a communist government and 2 million people were killed in a mass genocide, uh, which we also have covered. In episode oh, four, right. this was the killing fields of the Khmer Rouge regime from 75 to 79. That is right. So wild, wild, wild. Yeah. And uh, again, like it was supposed to be just like a brief military thing mm-hmm. turned into a 10-year conflict that is still looked upon, uh, I guess, until last year as one of the, the great military fails of the United States. Yeah. Like more like, yeah, I think 15 years if we add that all up. Yeah. Just wild. Right. And yeah. And then it was uh, and at the end of our research for the killing fields, it turns out that it's Vietnam that ends up coming in and squashing out communism in Cambodia for mm-hmm. the most part. Yeah. Like they are like, no, 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 no. We have been through it. Yeah. <laughs> and we're done. <laughs> so, so are you. <laughs> yeah. Elsewhere, uh, Khrushchev's policy of de-Stalinization hurt their relationship with China. Mao was modeling his rule after Stalin. He had focused on agriculture and not intellect, but relied on an expert in the USSR who ended up not knowing a damn thing. They led a campaign to kill a bunch of birds, uh, but then a bunch of vermin came in. They convinced people to burn items and meant them down into steel, uh, with the steel then being used to build things that ended up not being usable at all. Mm-hmm. This combined with drought, 30 to 40 million people had died. That's so many fucking people. Yeah, it is. Yeah. That's yeah. just Canada. Right. Dying. Right. Absolutely insane. Yeah, because of like this. It's It's so weird to me that a country with that many people, they were like, could we split things a little bit? Like it was either... Um, basically book learning or agriculture and they were just like no we are only doing agriculture we're gonna melt down everyone's belongings into steel and we're gonna build shit it's gonna be awesome hose with it yeah and then it's like nothing worked and everyone died yeah mao also made the situation worse in tibet forcing them to give up wheat this was all hidden from the western world until about 1980 Mm -hmm. people had no idea Mm-hmm. So with Mao kind of losing his touch with the, the folks out in the Soviet uh, Union, Nixon met with Mao in 1972 as the Soviet hold there was lessening. By 1964, the USSR brought in Brezhnev and he Stalinized the country again. He got rid of the term limits and his era became known as the era of stagnation. Living standards were deteriorating as people lost faith in communism. The military crushed any uprisings. Uh, Brezhnev sent 250,000 troops to Czechoslovakia. It went poorly and took eight months and drew the ire of communist countries. There was a demonstration at... <laughs> Throughout this whole thing, we've spelt Lenin like John mm. instead of Len- Lenin, like... Oh, yeah. 
Like it's like L E N N I N. Sure. Maybe just one N. I don't know. I was the one who typed these, so I don't know. Yeah. So every single time I read it, I'm like, there was a demonstration at Lenin's tomb, (laughs) but Lenin's tomb. Yeah. (laughs) You know. Right. Uh, Meanwhile, Europe had a period of prosperity and things were thriving in the non-communist parts of Germany. Support for communism was non-existent and many believed that it was no longer a threat, leading to more protests. Uh, Nixon and Brezhnev signed SALT-1, the Treaty for Strategic Oh, no. Take the treaty off the top. Strategic Arms Limitation Treaty, SALT. There we go. Uh-huh. Uh, which prohibited the manufacture of nuclear missiles by both sides and took a step forward, reducing the decades-old threat of nuclear war. Good, Like, watching them sign that treaty... Yeah. And having been through... <sighs> <laughs> 25 to 30 years of... Oh, my God. We could Thanos-style end at any moment. Yeah. Could you imagine this, the weight? Oh, man. Lifted. Well, like, I, I felt a weight lifted off. We'd only been watching the documentary for about 45 minutes. <laughs> so. Um, this this signing of the treaty also led to the USSR and the United States working together in the space race. That was adorable. When they shake hands through yeah. the satellites? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the two stations, like, join together at some point, and they're all, like, shaking hands and hanging out. It was just like, oh, this is so nice. Yeah, they, like, share their food. Like, this is what we, you know, Russian astronauts eat, and this is what we American astronauts eat. Right. It's pretty cute. Do you think, like, if their paths ever crossed, they would, like, flip each other off? Like, from their from space From their space stations? stations? Yeah. Oh, to- totally. Yeah. They mooned each other for sure. Oh, definitely. And then they'd be like, yeah. LOL, there's the actual moon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Almost as soon as he took office, President Richard Nixon began to implement a new approach to international relations. Instead of viewing the world as a hostile bipolar place, he suggested why not use diplomacy instead of military action to create more poles. To that end, he encouraged the United Nations to recognize the communist Chinese government and, after a trip there in 1972, began to establish diplomatic relations with Beijing, as we talked about before. Mm -hmm. Earlier in 1969, Nixon authorized the bombing of Cambodia to try to stop communism. A Marxist government won an election in Chile. Nixon publicly supported it, but privately used the CIA to try to support their opposition, start a coup, which I definitely spelt wrong, um, (laughs) and hurt the party. Eventually, an assassination led to a change and a new leader who turned out to be a bad guy. So Nixon publicly is at least like saying that, saying some of the right stuff, Mm -hmm. but privately maybe not so much. And it was heartbreaking to see how many times once again, the the United States gave a fuck where it wasn't their turn to give a fuck. Yeah. And well, they ousted this guy and then put in this guy who ended up killing millions of people. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, wrong feeling what they do yes and while the threat of you know nuclear fallout is now lessened Mm -hmm. it's like we're still doing bad shit yeah come on yeah also during this time watergate happens and nixon resigns congress passes the war powers act in 73 which imposes a 60-day limit on all military 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 action without congress approval this then limits gerald ford when north vietnam invades south vietnam 
Uh, it also shined a light on what the CIA was doing in Chile and Angola. Angola was granted independence. The CIA tried to secretly fund anti-communist parties. So very much giving a fuck when it's not their turn to give a fuck. Yeah. Uh, even though, like you said, like Nixon is looking all right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not not so much near the end, but yeah. he's looking all right, signing treaties and shit, kissing babies, but still got got his hand in the cookie jar. Yeah. Um, also, Watergate episode is episode 19 mm-hmm. for us. Um, in 1973, Egypt and Syria launched a surprise attack on Israel. The United States supported Israel with the USSR on the other side. Brezhnev wanted to launch a joint force with the states there, and if not, the Soviets would go on their own. Nixon was like, fuck that, and pulled the United States uh, pulled the United States out and put them on high nuclear alert again. Mm-hmm. Thanks so, for that SALT treaty. Yeah. So by the end, uh, things were spiraling for, for Nixon in more ways than one. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Carter won the presidency and called for a strengthening of détente. 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 Um, which is just basically like a peace treaty, but that's not really a peace treaty. Like a French word for like, it's nice now. Yeah. <laughs> They did a few things that went against the USSR, though. um, Brezhnev's health was failing, and the military had more control in the Soviet Union. SALT II was signed to hope to reduce the nuclear danger, but critics said it didn't actually do anything, and the United States was still on alert after Nixon had raised the nuclear threat level. So, it, it feels like things are starting to crumble in this relationship after a while where things were going pretty well. Totally. In Iran, a longtime U.S. ally was ousted from power and militants invaded the U.S. embassy, taking 52 American hostages. They killed Carter's chances, or this killed Carter's chances for re-election. Afghanistan was on the verge of a civil war and uh, a pro-Soviet leader was assassinated. The Soviets countered by invading and Jimmy Carter said that this brought an end to detente. He backed it up in January 1980, withdrawing salt Uh, Two, boycotting the Olympics and putting a number of tariffs on Russian imports to the states and countries affiliated with them. So now we're mad at them again. Yes. You communists mean no like. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Carter made a declaration saying they would use force to keep anyone else from getting control of the oil in the Persian Gulf. So the Cold War heats up again under President Ronald Reagan. Uh, Like many leaders of his generation, Reagan believed that the spread of communism anywhere threatened freedom everywhere. As a result, he worked to provide financial and military aid to anti-communist governments and insurgencies around the world. Which sounds nice, but as we have covered, is hand in the cookie jar. Mm -hmm. Giving a fuck when it's not your turn to give a fuck. Uh, This policy, particularly as it was applied in the developing world in places like Granada and El Salvador was known as the Reagan Doctrine. Reagan was elected and called the Russians the focus of evil in the modern world. He believed the world should not have nuclear weapons. So, I mean, that is a positive. Mm -hmm. He thought the way to do this was forcing the Russians into an arms race they would lose. He called it peace through strength. He doubled the Pentagon budget, making new weapons and nuclear weapons, hoping to force the Russians to back off because they couldn't keep up. How crazy is that? Like, it's such an, I I kind of see where he is kind of coming from. It's like, look, the world should be free of nuclear weapons. So our answer to this is building so many nuclear weapons that no one else will be able to build as many nuclear weapons. It's an insane plan. The Mm -hmm. more insane thing 
is that it works. Right. Yeah, it did kind of work. Yeah. It it absolutely works. Yeah. Which is so frigged. Yeah. So Reagan also requests that Saudi Arabia up their oil production uh, threefold, causing the price to plummet on the market, hurting the Russian export market, which was a key part of their economy because their economy was dependent on oil, you see. Very critically dependent, like harmfully so. I'm sure glad there aren't other places like that. You know. I think I've made my point. Yep, I do think you have, yep. Um, He also started a space defense system with the goal of being able to shoot down Russian missiles from space. Reagan, Reagan was just full of bluffs. Uh, Reagan knew the Soviets were behind on technology and it was mainly a bluff and this one worked as well. They made some like weird video game thing, but the lo-fi tech sold the story and the Soviets spent two years focusing on the United States counterattack. A South Korean plan accidentally went oh, in... Planes, oh, sorry. sorry. A South Korean plane accidentally went into USSR airspace and was shot down, killing 269 passengers on board. The USSR lied about the event, causing more issues from the states and just generally making them look pretty bad. So the the the, the main part of that is the, the space system where the, the states are like, yeah, we're going to build this crazy thing and it's going to be able to shoot rockets down from space. And the Russians are like, well, we... We can't keep up with that and spent two years trying to figure out how they were going to do it. And the, the Americans were basically like, yeah, we're probably a couple decades away from being able to do that. But <laughs> They just showed them like somebody playing Snake. Right, yeah. <laughs> and they were like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's Jason Bourne. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Wagon, Wagon. Reagan wins re-election in 84. Andropov from the USSR died that year after 15 years in office. So congrats to that guy. Uh, he was replaced by a 72-year-old heavy smoker who died after 13 months, who we didn't even write the name of down. No. Uh, they elect Mikhail Gorbachev at 54 going on 120 as the fresh new Leatherface of Soviet leadership. Yeah, when they said Gorbachev was 54 years old, I had to pause it. And it was like, I'm sorry. This man has lived. 54 years of just being... Russian. In the sun. Yeah. Yeah, he (laughs) aged. Yeah, I I wouldn't call him fresh. No. Fresh fresh face of the Soviet Union. Yeah. Not a good look. Yeah. Uh, He was willing to admit that it wasn't going well. Meanwhile, China had started to adopt some capitalist ideals after Mao had died. Per capita income tripled and GDP quadrupled during this time uh, and turning the economy into one of the largest in the world. Um, This put pressure on the Soviets and Gorbachev as the Soviet economy was collapsing. He recognized the arms race was draining money from an economy that just couldn't afford it. They signed a treaty banning short and intermediate range nuclear missiles, leading to the destruction of 2000 weapons. Reagan was also fighting communism in Central America as the whole of the Soviet Union was disintegrating. In response to severe economic problems and growing political ferment in the USSR, Gorbachev introduced two policies that redefined Russia's relationship to the rest of the world, glasnost, or political openness, and... Perestroika. Thank you. Or economic reform. Can I, sorry, can I interject again? Yes. Glasnost and perestroika? Yeah. Literally the only two words I remember from grade nine social studies. Oh, okay. I couldn't even, when they came up in that documentary, I was like, oh, I didn't dream them up. (laughs) (laughs) But I was like, I don't know what they mean. Yeah. (laughs) 
Uh, it soon became apparent that the changes to the Russian economy, the, those weren't working mm-hmm. either. Chernobyl in 1986 happened, and the USSR tried to cover up the incident, leading to deformities in the Soviet public. So not only tried to cover it up from like the rest of the world, mm-hmm. like China did with 30 million people dying, mm-hmm. but tried to cover it up in the Soviet Union as well, which led to people, oh, oh it's really not that bad. Hmm, what's this third arm doing here? Yeah. This forced Gorbachev to rethink much of their system. Open debate turned into widespread debate and uprising in Eastern Europe. So it was, it, it kind of was, you give them an inch, they take a mile. They were mm-hmm. like, look, we're willing to listen to what you have to say now. And the entire of Eastern Europe was like, oh, okay, well, fuck you then. And yeah. started an uprising. Yeah. Uh, Gorbachev started the move to democracy. A string of revolutions broke out, seeing almost every communist party being ousted. In Romania, their leader forced the killing of a number of protesters. Then the Berlin Wall was brought down, which won Gorbachev the Nobel Peace Prize. So in doing the research for this, it seems like Gorby taken over really changed things. Mm. He swallowed his pride real good and decided that the Russian people being villains and suffering wasn't cool anymore. Um, I'm like, I'm sure that he was a dingleberry in his own right too, but at least he tried to fix it. Yeah. Uh, Soon individual states in the USSR made bids to dissolve the Soviet Union. High ranking officials in the military and communist parties tried to coup or tried a coup to oust Gorbachev, uh, but on December 25th, 91, Gorbachev would resign and break up the USSR, resolving... Oh, yeah. Resolving it into 15 independent states and officially putting an end to the Cold War. So there you go. Wow. Yeah. It wasn't like... It's crazy that like this all comes to an end with just like, oh, yeah, and then things fell apart in one of the countries and it was over. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the Soviet Union's like, yeah, we can't do it no more. And that's what ends it all. Yeah. I mean, also, all the uprisings in other countries, like communism as a whole, is like, oh, we can't really move past that step B part of the the A to D plan. Mm-hmm. So, and step B is pretty fucking brutal in communism. So, it just seemed like, you know, the populations were not into it anymore. Yeah. Uh, and that kind of started happening, but... Yeah, um, it so, really just seemed like it dissolved and that was it. So from um, history.com here, the 15 republics that were kind of encompassed in the uh, the Soviet Union. Yeah. Russia, obviously. And that was a big thing too. When the, the Soviet Union um, kind of dissolved, mm-hmm. the that night they lowered the Soviet flag down from the Kremlin and raised the, the Russian flag again in kind mm. of a symbol that, hey, this is over. Right. Um. Russia, Ukraine, Georgia, Belarusia, Uzbekistan, Armenia, Azerbaijan, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Moldova, Turkmenistan, Tajikistan, Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia. Hmm. All their own places now. Yep. I mean, some of them are... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Some of them are different names now. All of them were their own places then. (laughs) Yes. So that is the Cold War, something that basically had a hand in like almost everything that happened for like 50 years. Yeah. Anything that happened worldwide from 1946 to 1991, you can just chalk up to the Cold War. Yeah. Is what I'm learning. Yeah. And it's just, it's two countries just going at each other and seeing someone who looks kind of similar to the other ones. Okay, well, we got to put a stop to that. Yeah. We got to stop them. Oh, you'll be my ally. You won't be. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, very wild. Yeah. Uh, so thank you for mm-hmm. listening along, coming for a part two. This was so much. We had to do a two-parter. Yeah. Uh, but we appreciate you listening, downloading, subscribing, all that good stuff. Uh, if you want to send us e- an email, you can. We had no idea podcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at we had no idea podcast. We love to hear suggestions. Uh, we have a little calendar made of some stuff that's upcoming, but we have an ongoing list. So if you want to hear it, we want to learn it. Yes. Send it to us. Uh, next week, I am so looking forward to this. I can't wait. Conspiracy theories. We're going to go over, I don't want to say our favorites, but we're going to go over some conspiracy theories that kind of jumped out to us. And, and for me, there are ones that I wanted to dive into and learn more about. Not necessarily if they were true or not, because probably not, but just to see what people think on some of these. Totally. Can I do a little spoiler alert? Yeah, totally. So one of mine is QAnon. Mm. And I got to tell you, it makes me feel scared of everybody. Oh, great. Just of like, I'm like, who? Uh, like I can't trust anybody. Yeah. I'm walking down the street and I'm looking over my shoulder type of shit. Right. The one issue I'm having is that every website I go to, they're all really dismissive of all of them. You know, right. like you can't really get into a lot of them because like the websites that you can get into a lot of them on, you probably don't want to go to anyway. Subreddit, here I come. Yeah. So it's been a little bit tricky to find <laughs> some information on some of these things, but I am so looking forward to this one next week. Yeah, me too. So thank you. Thank you. Um, Tell your friends, tell your sister, tell your brother, tell your dog. Yep. Uh, Download our podcast, subscribe, rate, review, all that. It helps. Mm -hmm. All in that order specifically. Yep. (laughs) And we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.